welcome to the Words Matter podcast, enhancing patient care through better communication. Welcome to another episode of the Words Matter podcast. I'm Oliver Thompson. On this episode, I'm continuing with the Outsider series, where I speak with clinicians who feel that they're divorced from their profession, sharing their experiences, their struggles, and how things could change. And today I'm speaking with Aaron Kubel. Aaron is a chiropractor in the United States who works with people experiencing pain via telehealth exclusively. He's developed a large social media following, which he uses to advocate for evidence-based and person-centred care, as well as criticise the harmful and unsupported narratives and practices. His non-conventional journey through the beginning stage of his career has positioned him as an outsider to his chiropractic profession. So it was great to speak with Aaron. His journey to the outside really resonates with mine. And many of you will know Aaron from his incredibly engaging Instagram and TikTok posts, where he transfers knowledge and evidence around the care of people experiencing pain and smashes head-on the myths and dogma which surround chiropractic and MSK practice. And so sailing against such a strong current, it's really not surprising that he feels like an outsider of his profession. So I bring you Aaron Kubel. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So this is, you're actually, the, I guess, the, can I count myself as a guest on my own podcast? <laughs> I don't know. But like you're the first person I've spoken to apart from myself on this kind of series of podcasts, which is probably not going to be a series, but just random episodes of people sharing their experience of what it's like to be an outsider. So maybe we can start with you just introducing yourself and your kind of clinical background, maybe your professional journey. Sure, yeah. Um, so I'm a, I'm a chiropractor and licensed as a chiropractor. I practice quite a bit differently than what people would probably imagine from a typical chiropractor, but um, I graduated actually like almost exactly one year ago now. So I've been in practice for one year um, from North. I graduated from Northwestern Health Sciences. It's a chiropractic college in Minnesota in the United States. Um, and I still am pretty much like right there. That's where my practice is at, or at least my office location um, is about 15 minutes away from where I graduated. And I, you know, have taken a pretty unconventional route as far as um, my practice, because I am entirely online, it's all telehealth, which obviously when people think chiropractors, they think back cracking and rubbing joints and whatever else. And that's, I cannot do that through a computer screen. So um, people are always quite confused when I tell them that I don't see patients in person and everybody that I work with is through um, video calls and remote programming and things like that. But um, yeah, it's, I mean, for me, I love my job. Uh, I think sometimes people are surprised to hear that because I'm also very active on social media and I'm super critical of not only my profession, but other similar professions in this conservative musculoskeletal pain realm. 
Um, and sometimes it can come across to people quite negative. So they think that I'm like over here angry and bitter and hate my life mm -hmm. and hate my work. But I absolutely love, love to death what I get to do um, and what and the way I get to do it as far as helping people through whatever pain situation that, that they're in. I think it's the most rewarding thing in the world to have this kind of intimate one-on-one -on -one video call type setting for a clinic and get to help people where they're at, where they're experiencing their pain and where it's having the biggest impact on them, you know, in their home. Um, so it's, it's been a really rewarding first year into it and it's been different, but I think, um, I think the way that it's all shook out so far, I can definitely offer a pretty unique perspective because there's not many chiropractic graduates that I know of other than just a handful that, that work this way. So it's been cool. And I, I guess the timing of your online practice kind of coincided with COVID to some extent when everyone went a bit online at some point. But my sense is that you were maybe headed, were you heading to an online space before? Before, I mean, like, could you have done the kind of cracky-backy manual therapy Cairo act in, in person? Like, could you have done that? Cracky-backy, great <laughs> Great terminology. I think I heard you say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, it's funny that you ask that because I was about a year before COVID fully planning to have telehealth be an important part of my practice just because I recognized, okay. um, you know, when we look at, especially when we look at people suffering with, with persistent pain, a lot of them have had so many negative experiences in a variety of different healthcare settings that they're pretty hesitant to put themselves physically in that space again. Um, and it's hard for them to get comfortable with a professional now after so many, um, after running through the mill so many times yeah. that I think this can love, give a level of comfort. And I, I kind of recognize that a little bit. And plus access, you know, I just, I, I felt like it's only going to evolve more and more. So literally one year before graduation, I started really looking into what limited research do we have on telehealth and online interventions and how can yeah. I incorporate that? I knew that was going to be part of this. And then as far as me actually being able to do it and then do it full time, that's where I just kind of got super lucky. Um, I I was about a month before graduation. I had a plan set for my in-person clinic um, and I still you know, fully planned on having telehealth be part of the equation. So I just asked myself, okay, well, how am I going to get people um, and like, you know, show them that I'm offering this? Obviously, social media is a good mm -hmm. way to do that if it's an internet-based service. So um, I just looked at, you know, what are the big social media platforms right now where you can reach a lot of folks and TikTok was easily the biggest one with the with the easiest reach. Um, so one month before graduation, I started posting on there and it just like right away, probably two weeks of posting, it just went crazy. And I had all of a sudden I had 100,000 people like at my fingertip upon graduation to the point where all of a sudden I had plans for an in-person clinic. And I didn't need it anymore because I had so many people reaching out yeah. to try and work with me uh, remotely. So it was just falling into that TikTok opportunity that made me suddenly able to just do this full time. And like, what, what strikes me from your posts on TikTok or Instagram is just the, your bravery and like you can, you pretty much kind of smash head on. Um, and I must say, like, you know, like it, it's not, it, it's not a. D it's polite, like it's politely critical. You're not, there aren't many ad hominems, like you're not kind of slagging off necessarily people's personalities, but it's clear you're critical of the theories and the practices around chiropractic or MSK care. 
but you yeah you you go for it i mean you don't hold back and i think so i'm interested in i suppose where that comes from and like were you sitting in your kind of uh, manual therapy classes in your final year or, or even your beginning of your degree just thinking like this is just all nonsense so how how did you arrive at that point of such a critical position that you hold yeah I think it comes from a lot of different places for me. One of one of which just being my personality. Um, I do, you know, like as a I was an athlete all the way growing up, so a lot of you know giving people a hard time and whatnot. And I had older brothers who pick on me, and um, you know, like you learn to take it and dish it back and whatnot. And and like you said, I really am careful not to to make sure that I'm going after if I'm going to be critical of someone. I I don't go after anything about them. I go after if I have a problem with either the things that the narratives that they're using to justify the things that they're doing. That's most of what, if I am critical of someone, that's like 99% of, of what I am being critical of. And that's really important to me. But, you know, so that part of it's just personality. It's just, just how I am. Um, I like to, you know, I'm not, I'm not afraid to to do those kinds of things. And, and that, that applies to other contexts within my life too. It's, it's not just, MSK, it's like everything in my life. I'm not afraid to say how I'm feeling about something. And then, you know, just beyond that, definitely, uh, it's definitely a reflection of my journey through school. Um, just, I, I think part of it's like long stemming frustration that I just felt as a student. And now, now that I don't have to like kowtow to my professors and make sure that I'm on good terms with everybody <laughs> um, and I have the freedom to say and do you know, within reason, what I what I feel, I'm taking advantage of that because I couldn't as a student really for so long, even though I still kind of did. Um, so it's, it's part of that. And then I think the biggest contributor on it, this is the biggest one, um, aside from those first two, the biggest contributor to that stance is as somebody who works with people dealing with persistent pain almost exclusively, I do get to see every single day firsthand the downside that some of these unsupported um, narratives have on these people and, you know, beyond just like not being helpful for their pain, mm -hmm. but also changing the way that they view their body and changing the way that they view their valued life activities and changing, you know, having a financial impact and a social impact and mental health impact. And it's like, yeah, I think, I think it's just for me, very apparent how destructive some of this stuff can be. And I, I don't want to sound like you know, on my high horse, but I do feel like I am standing up for them a little bit too, because I've seen so many lives really negatively impacted yeah. that I, I just like, I feel like it'd be, it's almost feels like my duty to just the people who I do work with, you know, to say something because I hate what happened to them. And I would, I'd like for it to not happen to other people too. So uh, that's, that's probably the biggest contributor for me. Yeah. And so that's clearly made you lots of friends within chiropractic. <laughs> like, what's your, what's your, what's your? I mean, I guess I'm interested in like the relationship you have with your colleagues, like, and and I guess you know all the different relationships that you might have with with your colleagues, but also like you introduce yourself as a licensed chiropractor. Or I'm, I, I don't know, like you've got to call yourself something, and yeah, your license allows you to pretty much do what you what you do, but how you. Feel about your your kind of colleagues and how you can you see them and you you and them like is there anything is there any common commonality there? Yeah, I 
I actually feel like my relationships with just all colleagues of, in, within chiropractic across the spectrum is really just a good reflection of the state of the practice because it, like I'm totally polarizing um, within that uh, profession and the profession is totally polarized. I mean, it's some within our profession absolutely love me and I've got a lot of people who really support what I do and I've gotten so many messages and so many comments and emails over the past year from students and clinicians feeling like um, they've just really resonated with everything that I've said and shared a lot of my frustrations. And, um, you know, like for, for them, what I was doing was a lot of validation of what they went through. So, cause I'm definitely not alone mm. in this within chiropractic. I mean, I, I'm fortunate enough to be one of the few that has a following to say from saying the things that I'm saying. Um, but it, you know, I'm, I'm not the only one by, by a long stretch. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, I've got a lot, probably a lot more chiropractors who really, 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 really don't like me. I mean, from the point of threats to board complaints to, I mean, everything you can imagine. Um, and it, and it, it goes beyond professional criticism. It just gets personal fast, like things just about me that they don't like. Um, because, and, and I, to an, to an extent, I understand the response too when, when there are professionals within Cairo who don't like me because not that I agree with their disagreement, but because it's just like I get it on a psychological level when somebody is saying something on a large platform that kind of threatens your day-to-day -day practice and threatens your source of money and the, just the validity of it all and is saying something very contrarian to that. Um, I mean, I, I understand why people would get defensive and maybe even hostile. Like that makes sense to me. I, it's unfortunate and I, and I think they're wrong, but that's, you know, mm. kind of the nature of it. So I think my relationships with my colleagues, I definitely do have people who support me and people who, you know, and people within chiropractic too, that, that were my biggest mentors as well. That's another interesting thing. Like people wonder how I got the way I got from just a clinical reasoning perspective and, and some of my other you know, perspectives on patient care. And it did come from some really great chiropractors, actually. So uh, as far as influences go, you know, I've been influenced by them. I've got ones who support me and ones who I'm influencing. And then I've got a very large crowd who who do not care for a lot of the stuff I say and do. But that's that's how it is. I kind of want to go back and like, so when you're during that education, those kind of formative years, learning chiropractic, learning manual therapy, learning mm. all the theories, what were you, when you're sitting in class, like what are you thinking? Are you kind of thinking, oh, this is like what mistake, I should have done medicine or PT or I'm going to open up an online business and like going to use this as a kind of as a kind of motivator to, to develop a different type of practice. Like how, like, because you took a bit of, I guess it's a hard route to, to sit, I, mean, I know it, like I've sat through this stuff and thought, what am I doing? Like, what yeah. am I waiting my time or what am I listening to? Um, and so what, what, what was it, how, how, how was that experience during learning the kind of wackiness? Yeah, I think, I mean, I always kind of surprise people a little bit when I just kind of take them through my four years in Cairo school, because it's, I wasn't like, like this from the start. Um, I came in, and, uh, you know, at the beginning, my, and this is all just pure ignorance on my own part. Like for me, even just getting into the, I, I'm not saying I regret getting into the profession. Cause like I said, I love my job and I feel really fortunate to, to be able to do this. And, and I care about the, the field of MSK quite a lot, but 
you know, the reason I got in and went to chiro school was I just had a really great chiropractor who supported me and looked after me being an athlete growing up. And he was my only impression mm -hmm. of chiropractic. And I truly just assumed, I mean, just from an ignorance standpoint, I was like, I mean, this is probably how they all yeah. work. And I only ever saw him. And, and I mean, he did, I still stand by most, most, not all, most of what he, he does to this day. And, and it, a lot of it was just advice, like just good yeah. advice and occasionally like exercise stuff or whatever, but you know, just kind of guidance a lot of the time. And I was like, this is a great way to help somebody dealing with pain or injury navigate yeah. a situation. I thought it was really cool. And I assumed that was kind of all how they did stuff. Um, and then I got to school and just found out like quite quickly that there was more to it than I knew. Um, and I, I actually, this is the part that surprises people. I actually gave it a fair shake. I felt like, um, within my first like year of school, I tried to be open-minded about some of the stuff that I was hearing where I was like, what? Um, <laughs> and I, I really did try to like buy into it. Like there, I always tell people like there was a time when I was in student clinic where I suggested to a patient with chronic high blood pressure that spinal manipulation would be a possible way to lower it. Like I said that to a real human and I was being genuine about it. Um, and there, uh, there were times too, like going through all the manual therapy stuff and learning how to do spinal manipulation. Like when it comes down to palpation and finding the misalignment, like I was looking for misalignments and I was convincing myself that I was correcting misalignments. Yeah. I was doing it to my family and friends and I was fine. Then it was switched over to finding joint restrictions and yeah. convincing myself I was doing that. Um, and I, like I, there was a time where I, I really tried to buy into it. The whole time I was doing that, I, I was dealing with what I think a lot of self-aware, physical pain care students go through with the hands-on stuff, which is like trying to look like you know what you're doing and are right there with your classmates when it comes to, oh yeah, I can feel it. Or, oh yeah, I definitely like fixed that issue or mm -hmm. oh, I found the problem. Like I was along for the ride, but in my mind, there was a big part of me that was like, I don't feel what, they, what they're feeling. Like I know I don't. And um, that really bothered me like the whole time that I just couldn't feel it. And then I found myself just kind of convincing my, like lying to myself that maybe I could or, or whatever. So there was that seed of doubt yeah. the whole time. And then, um, you know, I think with that seed of doubt just kind of grew into meeting other people who maybe felt that same way. And then really kind of being open to the world of actually reading scientific literature, which me in my background before chiropractic school, that's not something... Anybody who knew me before Cairo school would not have been like, wow, you're going to be the research guy showing papers flashing behind your head on social media <laughs> videos. Nobody would have expected that from me. So that was new to me, like as I was going through Cairo school of like learning how to critically appraise a paper and understand what it all means and what's important, what's not, yeah. what's good, what's good research, what's not, how much water one paper holds compared to the total. Like I had to learn all that on the fly. Yeah. But once that kind of door cracked open, everything sort of just started spiraling. And a lot of those thoughts in the back of my head that of just uncertainty about what the hell was going on just started feeling more and more legitimate. And it was kind of like the validation for me that, wait, it's, it might be okay that um, I'm a little unsure about what, what we're doing here. So it was a gradual process and I really think I gave it a fair shake 
Uh, and then eventually there was kind of an unraveling point. <laughs> yeah. And what did your what did your kind of peers and mates think that were in your class? Did you confide in them? <laughs> did you were they like, Aaron, you're just not trying hard enough, like you're just not feeling hard enough. You just got really kind of feel the movement, try harder. Like uh, what what how did they take it? Yeah. <laughs> it was really interesting that whole evolution too, because in the beginning, like I was everybody's friend, truly. <laughs> like everybody, I feel like I'm pretty I don't know about personable, but definitely like outgoing in a, in a social setting. So I was like, you know, going out on weekends with everybody, buddy, buddy with like, I'd say 90% of the students and, you know, got along well with everybody and was kind of known as like the, one of the clowns of the class and, you hmm. know, somebody who would, who'd be trying to have a good time and all that in school. And so I had, a, I thought a fair amount of Cairo school friends. And as I started like opening up about like, feeling unsure about a lot of the things. And then starting, once I started getting more into reading research and trying to show my classmates what I was reading, you could start to feel like tension and a lot of friction around like me starting to veer off a little bit. And that, that like immediately had an effect on those classmate relationships. I mean, I, I, I remember like the first couple times that I even posted just research I was reading on social media without even an opinion attached to it. And people were immediately offended or like looking for ways to invalidate the study or whatever. And, and to think, um, you know, like from the beginning to end, I, I lost a substantial amount of friends like throughout that whole time. And it was really crazy too is like, I, I actually like date, like I had a girlfriend who was a fellow Cairo student throughout that time too, for quite a while. And she was kind of along for the ride with me as I was going through this whole process. And by the end of it, I mean, there were times where mm. we were not on the same page as far as how I felt about our work and how mm -hmm. she felt. And like, I could just tell, you know, a lot had changed for me and, and uh, the way people felt about how I, mm. like where I was headed had definitely changed their perspective of me quite a lot too. So did you have any thoughts about what they thought about you? Any intuitions about like, what were they saying to you? Like, just snap out of it, Aaron. Yeah. They offered up, like, I mean, maybe we just need more reps or maybe we just need to, um, you know, get a little extra time, you know, palpating mm -hmm. and um, manipulating on weekends or like we get extra hours with teachers. Like, I mean, like they're trying to be supportive because they were all pretty sure that they that they were figuring it out. And I just like... It's like an intervention. They sat around, what, sh what should we do about Aaron? Let's think. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, it was... it was. I, I What's funny is like, I, I remember being in there and, and having students who were still like my close friends and who who were kind of like... It, 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 be, it became divisive. And it, be, it got to a point where like, there was the large chunk mm -hmm. of the class who didn't like me. And then there was this, a smaller section who did, but the smaller section who did was one foot in, one foot out. Like like partially Aaron supporter, but also still friends with the ones who weren't into what I was doing. And <laughs> they would like hear the conversations about me and then report that back to me. And there were literally like group <laughs> discussions about the things I would say when I would raise my hand in class or challenge a professor mm -hmm. or... Like an eye roll. Oh, Aaron again. And his evidence. Yeah. And like, like they were talking about it. And that, that made me wildly uncomfortable walking around at school when I started to find out like how I was being perceived. Um, so 
you know, it, it, did, it definitely shifted. Initially, they tried to help me, and it, it turned into, you know, yeah. F this guy at some point throughout those that process. But how was that? I mean, it must have been pretty... No one likes not being liked, right, really. I mean, I guess some people do, but but how was that kind of emotionally for you to be rejected by your your former mates or your peers? I think I was fortunate because, like, for everyone that stopped, like, you know, hanging with me or talking to me, I was gaining people who were associating with me a lot more. And, yeah. and I was meeting students from around the country in the United States and actually in, in Europe as well, who felt the same way too. So like for every step I was taking in the direction I was going, while there were people dropping off, there were people jumping on. And I had, again, I had some pretty prominent um, mentors within chiropractic who were like very, very well known within the profession and outside the profession for their work who were supporting me a lot along the way too. And that, like that was, I think that was a really big key for me because I think when you are going through that and you're starting to see some of the, negative repercussions of taking that stance, there could be like self-doubt. But for me, having such big names within the profession be supporters of mine and be willing to jump on a call with me and talk about what I was going through and, um, you know, be willing to like show me cases that they had in their clinic and talk to me about clinical reasoning and things like that and be that supportive. For me, that was validation. And it, I didn't have a lot of that self-doubt because I was like, well, you know, how wrong can I really be? Look at this person. Like they're well-respected by every Cairo school across the country and they're step in step with me and everything that I'm saying and doing. So I think that was really, really important to have that um, sort of mentorship as I was going. You initially said how you very much love your job. Yeah. But I'm going to paraphrase you, but hate your profession. You didn't use the word hate, <laughs> but dislike or despair or whatever the, the phrase is. And I suppose we could explore that a bit more because I can know the same. Like I, I, I'm i privileged to work with patients and students to kind of to kind of work with them in, in any way that the kind of evidence and theory supports. Like I'm not bound by any kind of professional obligation. Like I don't feel I have to be a certain mm. type of, osteopath or clinician or I've got to adhere to like someone's kind of writings about osteopathy 120 years ago like in, in Missouri or wherever it came about and I don't I don't feel like he's he or she I mean they're all he aren't they they're all he's that kind of develop this practice yeah. and are kind of yeah they're kind of watching over us to make sure we we do it right so <laughs> I, I don't feel like that at all I just do any old any old kind of practice which I think serves the patients best. So I suppose what I'm trying to say, how make that advance that distinction between really enjoying what you do and really finding that fulfilling yeah. and valuable, but yet not feeling necessarily like you've got to be bound or anchored to to a particular identity or or chiropractic practice. Yeah, um, you know that that is one. I think that's really interesting because chiropractic is a little bit different across the world. Um, but within the United States, it, it, it really has its own uniqueness in the sense that there is a large portion of the profession where it almost toes the, the line of like almost a religion in the sense that like it's really interesting to me to observe the loyalty that um, these people feel towards like advancing yeah. the profession and promoting it at all costs and, you know, like following this philosophy and to me, like, 
it's not, it's not that I, I don't hate the profession. I hate a lot of what we do to people and what we say to people. I hate that for sure. But as, as a whole, like for me there, I don't think I can say I really hate it or don't find it valuable um, because I, there is like this, like pie in the sky. This will never happen in a million years, but there is this, like, I do have a vision in my mind of what would be the perfect version of chiropractic that could exist given our scope of practice and given, you know, the range of conditions that we try and help, like what would be the perfect version of that? And like, I do have a model of that in my head. I, f- I feel like it's impossible mm-hmm. to say that you hate or, don't find value in something when you can kind of see that representation. I think if I couldn't see that and I just truly felt like there was no place for us, then it would be fair for me to be like, yeah, I, I hate that. I, I probably wouldn't stay if that was that was how I felt. But, um, you know, as far as where do I... St- Sorry, just, I was just going to make the yeah. distinction between when I say hate your profession, I suppose, and you're right. I, I'm not saying about hating people, but certainly like the, the actions which and the messaging which you're trying to kind of remedy from, you know, that your patients that you're seeing online that have experienced this stuff. And that's driven by the theories and principles and philosophy. So, I mean, they're there to be hated. Like, I think it's okay to say actually like adhering to this yeah. idea of subluxation or like, you know, you've got a tightest media because your talus is like restricted. Like that's, that's sure. both untrue and unhelpful. <laughs> that is like a double whammy, isn't it? Like it's both... N- implausible and also just horrible messaging to patients so i think what i could say for sure that i hate is just a lot of the outdated philosophy and ideas that a lot of our professions and fellow professions are rooted in just across the board because like i i can say the same about pt and i can say the same about a lot of things that medical doctors say to my patients too so that would definitely be something that um i do hate but it's just not unique to us i still like i i get i get i get mad about chiropractic literally every day um that's for sure but uh you know i do have there's a lot of people within cairo that um that i am a big fan of what i think is the most striking thing that i can say about like my relationship to the profession that is truly disappointing but it is just the reality of the situation i can't in good conscience like if a family member or a friend reaches out to me like hey man uh, I heard you. You became a chiropractor. I'm. I was. I thought you'd be interested to hear that. Like, I'm going to start seeing one. I'm really excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'd think that I'd be like stoked about that because they're going to see you know someone in the profession that I'm part of. And and what's uh, you know always sad to think about is that I would usually stop them dead in their tracks and say, pump the brakes on that. Maybe don't don't schedule that first visit yet. Tell me where you're thinking about going and let me take a look before before you make that leap just because yeah. i don't i truly don't trust us to like take care of people that i that i love and care about which you know what a wild way to feel about the field that you work in that i i cannot recommend this to my friends or family because there's just too much horse shit like all over the place and it the, the i really think the odds of a friend of mine or a family member of mine if they're walking into any old random chiropractic office or office that has a chiropractor, I think the odds are much higher that they fall into one that I would strongly disagree with um, and not mm-hmm. feel good about them being cared for by. So that's always a pretty striking thing to think about um, when I'm just, you know, thinking about my relationship to my field. Do I like, I don't feel the need to progress the f- profession. I feel the need, like my my responsibility within this whole thing is to promote a science-based message and protect the public. I think that that's a big part of just your job as a clinician 
is to just protect the public at large from the field that you're a part of. Yeah, and, and often with my profession and yours, the the priority is to preserve the name of the profession or at least advance the name yeah. of the profession, isn't it? Rather than putting... Yeah, I don't care kind about of ethical, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it seems like there's a there's often some, I don't know, small print when you graduate with your certificate, like you, you must go forth and preserve and promote the profession, which is just... It's just weird. Like it's it's weird. It is the, weird. The kind of oath, if you like, is to deliver kind of effective clinical care, however it looks, like within the scope of practice that that yep. we're permitted to to practice. Well, and I just think the oath that needs to trump that so strongly is the one where we vowed to first do no harm, yeah. and yeah. like our words harm and our actions harm, and if promoting the profession for someone, for some reason, looks like saying and doing ridiculous things to and with patients, then they're violating that first oath, which is first do no harm. And I think that's way more important than, you know, anything when it comes to promoting the profession or like, so, like I, I, I would say too, uh, the truth about chiropractic within the United States is like, and they've done surveys on this, I think it was the last one I saw was super old, like 2006. I wouldn't be surprised though if it didn't still hold up and it's public perception of chiropractic. We're like the least trusted healthcare professional or, or field within the United States among the public. And, and what I always say, like I say this all the time, both in podcasts and just in my posts is, look, we're already the least trusted and every almost every chiropractor out there is saying in every social media post and every marketing thing, uh, you know, see a chiropractor, get adjusted, chiropractic first, we're the best. We have enough cheerleaders and clearly all those cheerleaders isn't really doing a lot for public perception. So maybe a better approach to improve that would be to just take a little bit of ownership for our shit and like be open and transparent with the public that, hey, there's a lot of, we have a lot of issues, like a lot of serious issues that that really bring into the question how valid our, our existence as a profession even is. Um, and I think the more open and transparent we are about that, I think you improve public perception that way. And, and I've seen this too, like what's so funny, I don't care to advance the profession and I don't care to like promote it. And yet I'll still get comments on most of my posts mm -hmm. saying, you've made me trust chiropractors <laughs> again, or you've restored my faith in chiropractic. And I'll be sitting there like, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I did not mean to do that. Don't, don't, don't like take me as the representation of the whole. Um, and please don't take my page as like reason to trust us. I would prefer you stayed the way you were. It's crazy to me, but I think that accountability is really important. It's just like your encounter with your chiropractor as an athlete, people will encounter you and yeah. say god chiropractors amazing they're all like aaron i bet they're all like aaron as honest and as ethical and as kind of informed yeah the surprise is they then rock up to the chiropractor on the high street and it's just completely different yeah yep yeah, it's a shame but yeah i mean that's a really sad i mean i and i kind of you know i i, I agree like not having the confidence to recommend colleagues or at least <laughs> you want to like at least with me i want to screen them like i want to see their website their cv like who are you going to yep. see you know kind of what are they about what kind of messages um are they going to kind of deliver to you and it's yeah i guess it's 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 indicative of the kind of lack of consistency 
amongst our colleagues. Like you don't really know what you're going to get. You're either going to get someone like you, which is unlikely, or you're just going to get, you know, 25 sessions of, of adjustments with the payment plan. Like you don't really know, or you might get someone at least an osteopathy that kind of rubs your tummy for a bit or puts a finger somewhere where her fingers shouldn't really go. Like it's the, the spectrum of practices is so vast. Yeah, it's, it's a mindful for yeah. patients. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, always interesting with me too, is like when people don't know a lot about my practice um, and then I've just got, I'm associated with chiropractic and I bother the, I think the only thing that bothers me just from an ego perspective is like, sometimes I'm like, God, I, I just hope my friends and family know that I'm not out there like for my job doing some version of this, um, you know, where hmm. I'm like saying, don't get vaccinated and let me crack your back to, help your tumor shrink or whatever. I mean, I just... But you must share the awkward situation at a social event when someone's like, what do you do for a living? <laughs> and there's that kind of moment of just wanting... I just say I'm a TikTok dancer. <laughs> okay. I, I screwed up the question entirely. I'm just like, ah, I dance on TikTok. Uh, don't worry about it. It's not important. <laughs> but at some point you must have been pushed. But what do you do? Like, No, I, I, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm describing it to people, I usually just say... I, I, so I'm partnering, ironically enough, like where he's like, oh, you hate chiropractic. I'm actually about to merge my practice with one of my biggest mentors who is also a chiropractor, Jacob Harden, who is like, again, like this is a testament to just like, where are my values and to what end would I recommend chiropractic? I would be honored if he, if I, if I, if my mom or dad ever needed something and I couldn't care for them because mm -hmm. they've known me since I was a baby um, and like, it's just tough to take care of family and I needed to refer them, I'd be honored if, if he helped them because I, I fully trust him. I think he's amazing. And I'm about to merge my practice with his and he's a chiropractor, which that might surprise people that, that I would do that with another chiro. But like there are some that, that I think are, are so great. I just, um, you know, and I got a lot of my approach from him. The way he came up with the, the way that I like to describe it, which is pain, kind of like pain support and consultation. Like I'm a consultant. I can listen to people and talk them through a situation. I can offer support and I can offer more structured guidance if, if they need it. But what we're really trying to champion is this skill set of self-management yeah. and just making sure people are well-informed and confident enough to handle their own situation, make their own decisions that's going to lead them to the level of recovery or improvement that they're looking for. That's most of what I'm doing. And what that actually physically looks like is just communication on video calls, emails, and then if it really does need to be more structured and guided, I do handwrite like full-on programs. And whether mm. that's, you know, whether we're looking at more lifestyle or behavioral interventions or whether it's literal exercise prescription um, or graded exposure, if they're dealing with just feeling nervous about getting back into something, yeah. I'm able to guide them through that. But at the end of the day, it really does come down to pretty much just guidance, support, and, con and consultation and just listening to people. And um, I think like, you know, so much of the value in our work across the spectrum of all these professions is largely in the communication. So that's what I've zoned in on almost entirely for my actual, all for my actual practice is the communication yeah. piece. And what do you say to colleagues that say you're just riding off the, the professional label of chiropractic in order to do what you do? Like you're happy to take, happy to utilize that, that, 
professional title and the privileges of an malpractice insurance and some element of trust within the profession. Like, you're going to happy to take that. Like, why not just call yourself Aaron Gabal, the online MSK consultant? I don't know. Well, <laughs> what's wild about it is if you actually look at my business structure and like how I actually handle just money and, and doing things, um, I actually don't need the professional label because I don't, I don't formally diagnose people with anything. It's always persistent pain and they're always coming with seven different diagnoses, you know, and, I, and if they need like further diagnostic workup, I just tell them, okay, let's table this consultation. I need you to go see this type of professional um, and get these questions answered. And then if they give you the okay, then we can continue. But I, I'm not out here diagnosing people, which is what my license would allow me to do. I'm not treating hands-on, which is what my license would allow me to do. And I don't bill insurance. I'm just all cash, which is also what you need the license for, the insurance piece. So outside of those three things, that's, that's everything you need the license for. I'm not using any of those privileges. So like I, I truly, if you really look at it, I could drop the DC and just keep going as is, as like a health coach, like an online health coach. And that's essentially, because that's essentially what I'm doing. Um, you know, so I, I'm just an online health coach that just talks to people about their pain and helps them kind of walk through that situation. So um, that is an interesting area where like, am I kind of riding it or not? The bottom line is when I'm so critical of so many of the things that chiropractic is well known for, people aren't, are definitely not booking with me because yeah. I'm a chiropractor. <laughs> You know, so um, it's kind of an interesting area, but... You're, you're successful in spite of your chiropractic label, <laughs> not because of it. In, in spite of, yeah, yeah, I mean, that might be, that might be <laughs> what it is. I don't know. It's, it's, it's really weird, but I, I don't know that I need the DC. I keep it because I've earned it, but yeah. I mean, I don't use a lot of the stuff that comes with having the license. And so just finishing up, what would, you know, thinking about, where you find yourself now and the kind of struggles you had as a student, do you have any pieces of advice for clinicians that might be having similar experiences or doubts or struggles around kind of where their clinical journey is heading? Yeah. So something I say to a lot of students who are just disillusioned with the idea of everything that they do, their identity being manual therapy, I just tell them, look, look you are more than your set of hands. The same way that that you know, phrase works, you're more than the two letters behind your name. Um, and there's, you don't have to be defined by the profession that you're a part of. Obviously you have to work within your scope and, 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 you know, have a respect for that. But, um, just because there's a lot of, you know, issues within the profession, that doesn't mean that you suck and you, there, there are others who do things, you know, the way that, a way that those people who don't feel great about where they're at might feel more comfortable with. And there are a lot of other people that are just as disillusioned with it, you know, as they are. So um, I think first of all, just trying to connect with other people who feel the same. And then I think the most important thing for me uh, to just keep feeling good about all of it is to just keep learning as much as I can and reading and just trying to better myself to better communicate with patients. Cause for me, that is exciting enough that like, you know, I don't, it, who cares if it's all this, there's this BS in chiropractic. Like I get to learn a lot about pain and musculoskeletal healthcare and 
get to help people who are struggling in that area. I think that's really great in and of itself. That's inspiration enough for me to not feel bad about the two letters at the end of my name. At the end of the day, those two letters at the end of my name, you know, like they do put me in a position to do this, um, whether I actually need them or not, and who knows. But yeah, so I, I guess connecting with people who feel similar and then just continuing to to learn as much as possible, especially when you hit those ruts of like starting to feel like you're just stuck or, you know, burnt out or whatever. I don't hit that because I always feel like, I always feel like I'm a big dumb idiot and I don't know enough stuff anyway. So how can I feel burnt out when I still have so much more that I can improve upon from a communication perspective? Um, so I think those are probably my two biggest things that have helped me along the way, at least. Brilliant, Aaron. Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. It's been great. Appreciate you having me. Perfect. I like it. All right. I appreciate it. Hey, and by the way, I do really appreciate just everything you do as well with the Words Matter podcast. And yeah, I, thank you. That, you know, as far as mentors and people like keeping me alive while I was in <laughs> school, I did listen to a lot of episodes um, of your stuff. So I think it's cool to come full circle now and be able to talk about being somebody on the fringe after listening to somebody on the fringe while I was on the fringe. Wow. That was a lot of... <laughs> Have a lovely Christmas. And uh, yeah, really nice to chat, Aaron. All right, man. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. All right, appreciate it. See ya. If you enjoyed this podcast, visit www.wordsmatter-education.com for all the show notes, resources, and blogs. And check out the online course in language and communication in relation to back pain. And I'll see you next time.